so thankful for what the Lord is doing. But uh, any week, as you know, there's always things going on. I got a call yesterday, be praying for the Johnson family. Anthony was hit as he was on his way to work in his vehicle. And so pray for that situation that he would uh, feel better. I know he's hurting and sore today. So be praying for his strength and many other needs going on. We heard some wonderful news, though, um, from Katie Spencer. She's going to be able to continue with her treatments now. Um, the cancer that they've diagnosed her with has not spread. So that's the good news. So be praying for her as she begins treatments and goes through those things. And uh, so thankful as well today. We've had a couple of men here from Wisconsin this weekend. And glad to have Randy and Mark here with us today. And uh, they're flying out this afternoon. But we've had a wonderful time of fellowship and talking about the work of the Lord and making some plans for future church planting efforts up in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. And so a lot to be praying about there that God would provide the right people to lead that and to be those that would pastor and to be the lead disciple makers and soul winners and all that is needed in starting a church. And so be praying that God would provide that. It's wonderful all the resources God has already provided up there. We're very excited for what the Lord's doing. Uh, David Cripps stopped by this morning and we had a time to visit with him. Very thankful for how God is providing for him. On Wednesday night, we were praying as a church that God would provide for him for a vehicle because uh, some different things had happened and their vehicle had broken down and uh, they had to get a new vehicle as a result of those things. And then on Thursday, I got a call from somebody and they said, I want to take care of all the vehicle payments for this year. And when we get to next year, we'll see about that. So uh, this morning, we, our church was able to give them a pretty large check uh, to be able to help cover that and to move them on down the road, literally and figuratively. And so we're very thankful for how God continues to supply and how God continues to bless there. And uh, very thankful for how God just does His work. And we get to be a part of it. I know the ladies had a wonderful time last night. I know lots of rocks were painted. Uh, but more importantly, lots of prayer was done. And lots of time of encouragement and fellowship. And uh, thankful for all the ladies that worked so hard to put that together. I know the ladies are looking forward to their ladies retreat coming up in a few weeks. I am very excited. A week from tomorrow, we start our disciple-making conference or seminar here. That'll be Monday and Tuesday starting next week. Many of you have signed up. I, I think we have a little over 30 people now signed up for that. I'm very excited about that. If you'd like to be a part of that or have questions, let me know. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and ask His blessing on our service as we continue on this morning. Father, we thank You today for what You're doing. We thank You for the power of healing. We thank you for what you're doing in Katie's life, and I pray that you'd strengthen her body. Pray for the treatments as she goes through them. Lord, I pray for even Isaiah this week as he goes through some surgeries. I pray that you'd guide and strengthen him. Pray for the doctors. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the Johnson family this morning. Be with Anthony, encourage him, strengthen his body. Lord, I pray that you'd provide through the insurance and various things that he'd be able to get his vehicle back and going or a different vehicle if that's what the need is. Lord, we know that you've provided many things for this family, but it's also a very struggling time for them. And when you're in the middle of a difficult time, it's often hard to see your goodness and your direction and your plan. I pray that we as a church body could lift them up and encourage them and help them. Lord, that they would know that they're loved, 
loved by you and loved by us as a church, and we could be an encouragement, a blessing to them. Lord, I thank you for those that even begin discipleship this week and begin studying your word and growing in their faith this week. Lord, we thank you for the saving power of Jesus Christ through the shed blood of Christ on the cross and, of course, his resurrection from the grave. Lord, we thank you that we can come and meet together today and worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray that we would have the right attitude, spirit, but we'd be filled most importantly, with the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would seek to follow you in all that we say and do, that as we sing your praises this morning, as we give in the offering later, as we hear your word as it's preached, may we respond appropriately to the truth as it's presented. Lord, use your truth. Work in our hearts. We're going to sing another song here in a minute, Lord, about our desire, really a prayer to you that you would speak to us and take your word and plant it deep in us. We pray that you would work in our hearts that way. Be with the boys and girls later as they go out to their junior church time. Work in their hearts. Be with Brother Josh as he preaches to them. And Sister Anna as she's there ministering with them as well and the others. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. May we be faithful to walk with you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have Freddie come and read to us from God's Word this morning. We've been studying in the book of Nehemiah and... Uh, it's interesting, when you study God's Word and when you read things, probably you've experienced this, if you're taking time to do Bible study with somebody else in the church, or if you're doing it personally on your own, and, and we all should really be doing both things, I think. But as you study through God's Word, isn't it interesting how when you come to different passages of Scriptures, and you're just reading through on a plan or on a schedule, and you feel like, wow, what I read today is exactly what's going on right now, in my life. Anybody else ever had that experience? I know I have. And, uh, and you think, well, but I'm on this schedule. I'm in this plan. And isn't it amazing that God can put all that together? First of all, we have His Word that's a treasure that's beyond anything we could ever mine all the rich goodness out of. We can just continue to get out of it. Then, of course, we have the power of the Holy Spirit that He's working and, and He's helping us to understand the truth of God's Word as we read it. And uh, that God can put all those things together so that when we read His Word and we're in something, we say, wow, this just feels like, how did God know that this was all going to work out? Well, how did He know? He's God. That's how He do. And uh, in Nehemiah chapter 4, Freddie's just going to read a few verses from that, the first six verses of that this morning. But as we go through that, I want you to notice, as we've been looking at this book, there's been some great things happening to Nehemiah. God has been answering prayer. The people are unified. The walls are getting built. Great victories are being won. But then you get to chapter 4, and all of a sudden, there's opposition. There's attacks. There are threats. Doesn't life feel like that? Things are good. Things are great. God's blessing. And all of a sudden, boy, out of nowhere, this happens. That happens. This problem comes up. That thing comes up. And uh, so we're going to be encouraged today as we think about dealing with opposition. Freddie, come read to us now. But it came to pass that when Sambalad heard that we built the wall, he was wroth and took indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they built, if a fox go up, he 
he shall even break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity, and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So build we the wall, and all the wall was joined together into the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Wonderful passage of scripture. We'll get into that in just a few minutes. We're going to dismiss our boys and girls for their junior church time. And uh, boys and girls, don't forget, this Saturday from 4 to 6 is our family carnival, back to school time. I know many of you are involved in that. We'll be excited about that this Saturday. So be inviting your friends and neighbors to that this Saturday from 4 to 6. It'll be right here in the parking lot. We'll have food. We'll have games, activities, and uh, Ruth said she's going to try to dunk me in the dunking booth. No, she didn't say that, but she did that last year. We're going to have the dunk tank out there. It's going to be fun. All right. Let's take our Bibles. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 4 this morning. Nehemiah chapter 4. So here we have Nehemiah. He's had his prayers answered. Right? He hears about the walls being broken down and the gates burnt with fire. God answers his prayer. He gives him an audience with the king. The king asks, what's the problem? How can I help? And, and Nehemiah tells him, and the king provides materials. He provides people and protection. And Nehemiah has everything he needs then to go back and to begin the process of rebuilding the walls. He gets back to Jerusalem and he takes some time to go around and survey the damage and see what needs to be done. And then he calls a meeting of all the people, brings them together, and he tells them how God had provided, what God had done. Isn't it great to share testimonies of what God has done? We took some time, even this morning, as I was telling you about things that God is doing and how God has done things and how God provided for David and God provided this money to help him with his vehicle and God provided people to work and to help other people this week in our church and God provided this, God provided that. Those are encouraging things and they help us to continue on in the work of the Lord. And so the people came together and we looked at last week in chapter 3 is we had people from all different backgrounds, all different places, all different economic levels, various skill levels, all working together in the work to rebuild the wall. And what a wonderful thing how when God's people come together to do God's work, when they do it God's way, God blesses and wonderful things take place. But then you turn the page in your Bible, or maybe you just read on down into chapter 4, and the first word of chapter 4 tells you that something is about to take place. When you see that conjunction, but, right? All this great stuff is happening. All these great things are taking place. God is blessing. The walls are getting built. Yay, yay, yay. But, you think, uh-oh. What is coming next? You ever have those kind of days in life? <laughs> this is going, that's going, this is positive, that's positive. But <laughs> now something else about to take place. We see here in the first few verses, these people come together to oppose him once again. But, you know, if you've been following along with us, you know that this is not the first time that opposition has come. 
There was opposition to Nehemiah and the children of Israel even before they began the work of building the wall. We need to understand as we study this together this morning that success in the work of the Lord brings opposition. One commentator I read said it this way, when God's people attempt to do God's work in God's way, there will always be opposition. That's so true. When God's people attempt to do God's work in God's way, there will always be opposition. Personalize it. When I try to do what I'm supposed to do, and I try to do the right things, there will be opposition. Get sick. Get hurt. Lose my job. Difficulties with my family. Whatever. Difficult things happen when we try to do the right thing in the work of the Lord. But you're in Nehemiah chapter 4. I want you just to turn back a page or two to chapter 2 because we want to quickly see the first time that this group of people came to oppose the work of the Lord. As I said, it was before the work had even begun. Chapter 2, verse 18. Then I told them, Nehemiah says, of the hand of my God which was good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. That's the positive, right? What's that next word? You see it there. But. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn. They despised us and said, what is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? You see, they bring false accusations against them. They despise them. They laugh at them. And they say, you're going to rebel against the king. Now, think with me. If you've been with us, you know the answer to this question. Was the fact that Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem, was that really an act of rebellion against the king? Who had allowed Nehemiah to go back and rebuild the walls around Jerusalem? The king. Isn't that true in, in life? When false accusations come, they are just that. They are false. It's a lie. But because of the peer pressure of this group, they're hoping that they can get them to stop the work before it even starts by getting them to doubt and getting them to question the word of the king that he had sent them out to do. We could say it this way, we need to respond to false accusations by focusing on the character and plan of God. That's exactly what Nehemiah did here. If you look down with me at verse number 20, he said, Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, He will prosper us. Therefore we His servants will arise and build, but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. As we read these verses, we see that as God's people understood God's plan, they responded by preparing to do God's work. In verse 18, we see that they called it a good work. They said they strengthened themselves for this good work. I would say when we come, and we take God's Word, 
And we open it, we read it, and we see what God tells us to do, right? This, that God says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. And we say, well, if God's Word's profitable, then I'm going to study it, I'm going to read it, study to show yourself approved unto God, and I'm going to obey it, right? Joshua 1.8, thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. But what often happens when we try to do right of what we know is true, we face false accusations from other people, from the devil, even from our own flesh that come up and say, you can't really do that. What are you thinking trying to walk by faith? Don't you know you failed a lot of times before this? Who do you think you are to go out and try to do this now? This is just an emotional thing in your life that you just got excited about and you're going to fail this time like you did all the previous times. Think about the children of Israel. They had not had... We got a lot of condensation this morning. I don't know if you saw that drip. It just came right down. Uh, they, they, uh, they had not had a wall around their city for a long time. That Many of the Israelites had been carried off into captivity. I mean... These people had been without really direction for a long time. And you know why they were in that position? It's because they had sinned. They had served false gods and false idols. They had turned from God and they had followed the ways of the people, the pagan people around them. So these are not a spiritually strong people, a spiritually secure and faithful people. These are people that had not been doing right in many, many ways. And now these people bring this accusation against them like, what do you think you're doing? We're going to do this in the strength of the Lord. Who are you to do anything in the strength of the Lord? That's really the type of accusation that they bring against them. But it's very important to notice how Nehemiah responds to them because we need to respond the same way when this type of doubt and accusation comes against us when we are to be obedient to what God has said. Notice Nehemiah says in verse 20, Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, He will prosper us. Over and over in the book of Nehemiah, he always takes it back to God. Nehemiah doesn't say, well, I have a great plan and so we're ready to work. You can't stop us. Nehemiah doesn't say, well, we have all this money and we have all this ability and look, all these people already are going to work together. We can do this. No, Nehemiah takes it right back to who we should always take it back to. He says, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. The way you overcome false accusations and doubt and opposition in your life is having faith in God and walking with Him in the truth of who He is. Nehemiah brings it back and, co and focuses on the character and plan of God. He says, no, it's the God of heaven that will prosper us. Not just any old God, not just something that we dreamed up, not just our great plan, but our almighty God who is in heaven. I wonder what our response is when we face difficult times. Well, I hope I can figure it out this time. Right? I'll phone a friend and see what they say I should do. Instead, our response ought to be, no, the God of heaven. I'm going to be obedient to what God says. 
He goes right back to God. The God of heaven, He will prosper us. Therefore, we His servants will arise and build. They were able to accomplish what God told them to do, even in the face of false accusation, because they remembered the character of God and they remembered the plan of God. So we focus on the character of God. Who is He? Well, He says just briefly here, He's the God of heaven. We know He's the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know that He is the God who is unchanging. We know that He is the God of all power, all knowledge, who is everywhere present. We serve a great God this morning, don't we? So thankful for our God. But you're going to face difficulty and false accusation in your life too. It may be as the devil, he's, he's referred to as the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that comes into your heart or into your mind at times and says, you can't do this. Who do you think you are? You're not doing the right thing. You never do the right thing. You always mess up. That's what these guys are saying. But Nehemiah brings it right back to God. And he focuses on the plan of God. He says, we as servants will arise and build. We will do what God has sent us here to do. Not in our own strength, but in the strength of God who will prosper us. When we struggle with false accusations, when we struggle with doubt and discouragement, we need to take ourselves right back to the character. Who is God? Who do we serve in the first place? What am I here to do anyway? What's my purpose? What has God called me to do? You say, that sounds really basic. Yeah, we got to go back to basics, don't we? Just like the first day of football practice. What do you do? You don't run plays. No. You run and you run and you run and you do push-ups and you do stretches. You do basic things. When we face opposition, we need to go back to who God is and what His plan is for our life. So we see the beginning of this opposition, but really this is opposition before the work has even started. And isn't it true there, are, I would say, many people who don't ever even get off the starting line in serving God with their life. Because they're fa they've got the opposition and the family members, perhaps, or the friends or the co-workers who just look at them and go, you'll never make it. Or inside in their own heart, they feel like, I'll never make it. And they just go, I'm, it's just not even worth trying. So there's that level of opposition. The way we overcome that is going back, focusing on God's character and His plan. But then as you go down to chapter 4, where Freddie already read this morning, we see the opposition begins to grow. Because Nehemiah responded correctly. The people responded correctly to this accusation, this false accusation. They came together. Chapter 3, they all worked. God bless. The wall's getting built. Chapter 4 again. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation. He was upset that they were doing God's work. They were doing what God had commanded them to do. And it says he mocked the Jews. So he couldn't get them to keep from doing the work by false accusations, by, by saying, hey, don't you know you're rebelling against the king? 
No, we're not rebelling against the king. We're doing what the king sent us here to do. But now, since he sees them going on with the work, now he looks at them and now he just mocks them. He makes fun of the work that they do. If the devil can't keep you from getting into the work, at least he can make fun of the work after you're already doing it. Well, you're putting all that effort in, all that time in. You come to church all the time. You do all this stuff. Why do you waste your time on that? It's not making a difference anyway. I mean, look over there. That family that's been coming for a while, they've stopped coming. You know, you're going to stop coming too one of these days. Or we look around and we say, well, the world just keeps getting worse and worse. So why are we wasting our time doing this anyway? And it's like we get these, this ridicule that comes. He mocks the Jews in verse 2. It says, and he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria, and said, What do these feeble Jews? Oh, they're so weak, feeble. Wait a minute, he's talking to people that are up there building a wall. I mean, even the daughters are out there building the wall. I mean, these, these are not what you would think of feeble people, but he's calling them feeble people. And he says, will they fortify themselves? Are they going to build some kind of wall here? Will they sacrifice? Are they just going to make some kind of sacrifice? It's almost like making fun of their religious system. Well, they just do that sacrifice. They go back, but nothing changes. Nothing's going to come of this. He says, well, will they make an end in a day? Are they going to build this wall in a day? I mean, who do they think they are? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Do they think that they could just pick up all these rocks that are laid in piles and these burned up heaps and they're going to get that and rebuild the wall? I mean, they're using junk to rebuild. This isn't going to work. There's some ridicule going on. I would say, and we'll see this in the next few verses in Nehemiah's response, but the point here is this, we must respond to ridicule of the work by prayer and greater diligence to the work. Because here comes the ridicule. Oh, your work is terrible. Oh, your work is, is not any good. You're feeble. You're weak. Who are you to think you can make a difference? Who are you to think you can do what you ought to do? How does Nehemiah respond? Oh, I'm sorry. We haven't even gotten to his response yet. There's still more ridicule to come. Verse 3. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Now, if you remember last week, uh, I did some reading, and some archaeologists found walls that they believed to be the walls that were built during Nehemiah's time, and they were over eight feet thick. I've seen a few foxes in my life, but I haven't yet seen the fox that could break down a wall that was eight feet thick. And yet, he's ridiculing. This work that you're doing, I mean, can you almost imagine? Because remember in chapter 3, there's goldsmiths out there building the wall. There's apothecaries out there building the wall. I wonder if that apothecary in his mind thought, well, I don't know, the fox might break down this wall. I make perfume for a living. I don't know how to build a wall. The goldsmith thinks, well, I make jewelry for a living. I don't know how to build a wall, but I'm doing the best I can. Sometimes that's how we have doubt come into our mind as people ridicule our work. They look around, they say, well, what are you doing? You could have done better with that. 
It had been better if you'd have done it this way. We can get to that in the work of the Lord too, can't we? As people ridicule the work, wasting your time, you're feeble, you're weak, it's not going to work, it's going to break. Here's Nehemiah's response. Verse 4, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. And turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. I love Nehemiah's response because our, my response when I get ridiculed and made fun of, I start defending myself. Who do you think you are? Why are you talking to me like that? I know what I'm doing. Look, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. I prove it. See, it's good. I should be doing these things. I am spending my time doing what I ought to be doing. Who are you to question what I'm doing? That's our response, isn't it? To defend ourselves or maybe even to fight back. All right, Sanballat, we'll show you how tough this, your fox is. We'll come out there and kill your fox. You know, like... What's our response when we get ridiculed? Nehemiah's response was to go to the Lord in prayer. Now, he asked God to bring judgment on the enemies. But he, he just goes to the Lord. Instead of standing up for himself, instead of sticking up for his rights, instead of fighting back, he says, Here, O Lord, we're despised. What a great, humble response in the face of ridicule and opposition. Lord, can't you hear this? We're being despised. Does God hear it? He does. Does God know what's going on with His children? He does. You're not alone. When you get ridiculed and seem like everybody is against you, you can feel very lonely, can't you? We're doing this work. We, they're calling us feeble and weak. They're saying it doesn't matter. They're saying it'd just break down even if just a fox ran up on it. Hear, O Lord. We're despised. He says, turn their reproach upon their own head. Take this reproach that they're trying to bring against us and put it on their own head. Bring it on them. God, give them for a prey in the land of captivity. Cover not their iniquity. God, bring judgment upon them. Let them have to answer for their sin. You know, we serve a God who is a just God. And while He does forgive sin, this is not overlooking the grace of God. We serve a God who He will right all the wrongs. He will make all things straight. He'll make those crooked paths straight. And if we will be faithful to follow Him and humble, even in the face of ridicule from outside, somebody looking at your spiritual life, your spiritual walk, the things you're trying to do that are right in following God, trust God. Pray to Him. He responds in prayer, and then they respond with work. Because see, if, if the accusations and the ridicule of these people... If it causes Nehemiah to pray and he still stops the work, the enemies have won, haven't they? 
We look to God in prayer, and with the strength that God gives, the encouragement He gives us, we go right back to the work. May we stay faithful in the work that God calls us to do as fathers to raise our children and to lead them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, as husbands to love our wives, as wives to honor our husbands, and as church members to serve faithfully in God's work, as Christians to be soul winners and disciple makers. May we be faithful to the work God has called us to do. Not letting the ridicule of those around us who would look down upon the work that God might have May we not just stop and pray, we should pray, but then may we continue on in the work that God has for us. And you see that in the next verse. Verse number 6, So built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together unto the hall thereof, for the people had a mind to work. They worked with all that they had. Why? I think it's because Nehemiah, as the leader, helped to keep their hearts and minds focused on God. Why were they building this wall in the first place? Because God had provided for them. Why were they building the wall? Because they were God's chosen people and God had given them this land and it was the promised land, wasn't it? And they were going to protect what God had given them. They were doing the right thing. But boy, they'd been beaten down for years. They'd been treated poorly for many, many years. They had had all this happen to them, in many cases because of their own sin and their own failures. They could have become discouraged. But instead, as they kept their mind and their eyes and their hearts focused on God, they responded by working hard. They didn't fight back still. The Bible says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. We can trust in God to take care of all those things, but they kept at the work God had called them to do. I love what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. For He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So we see this ridicule. First, it was a false accusation. Responding, focusing on the character of God, His plan. Then we see ridicule of the work that they're doing. The response prayer and greater diligence to the work. You think, why don't these people just leave them alone? They didn't stop. Because the work continues on and so does the opposition. Remember, when God's people do God's work in God's way, they can always expect opposition. Well, it continues on. Look at uh, verse number 7. Because the reality is when we continue on in God's work, the opposition doesn't run away. It gets stronger. It gets harder. Look at verse 7. 
But, there it is again, when it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, wait a minute, there's a bunch more people all of a sudden. Where'd they come from? <laughs> At first it was just Sanballat and Tobiah and, and, the, and Geshem the Arabian, and now it's Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians, the Ammonites and the Ashdodites. Boy, the enemies are getting stronger. The opposition's getting greater. But what's also happening at the same time, remember? The walls are getting taller. The walls are getting finished. The people are doing the work of God. Both things are growing at the same time. So it's not like, well, God just isn't working. No, God's working. The walls are still being built. People are still coming together. But when God is at work, the enemy is also at work. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So when they heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, so they were filling up all the holes and the cracks, it says, Then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem. It's changed, hasn't it? First it was just false accusations. Then it was ridicule of the work. Now they've gathered an army and they're ready to fight. It's moved from just words. Now they've moved to action. Physical threats here. He says they were going to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. How does he respond? Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God. Say, this is starting to sound very repetitious in his response. It is. Because the opposition keeps coming, and so we just go right back to the Lord again. What did Jesus do when he was in the wilderness and the devil came to tempt him three different times with three different areas of his life and all these things? How did he respond? Was it a different way each time? No, it was basically the same thing. Now, he quoted different scripture, but his response was the same. He went right back. To God every time. I can't do that, no, because this is what the Bible says. I can't do that, no, this is what the Bible tells me to do. I'm not going to do that, devil. I'm not going to submit to your temptation because this is what God tells me to do. What do we see here with the children of Israel? Accusations come. No, we serve an almighty God. Accusations come again. Now they're ridiculing the work. We're turning to God in prayer. We're going to get back to the work that God has called us to do. Now the opposition comes. They've gathered a force. They're ready to attack the Israelites. They've got an army. Oh no, it's gotten so big. What do we do? Go back to God. We made our prayer unto the Lord. And he says we set a watch against them day and night. He took practical steps to protect himself. It's not wrong to protect yourself. They set a watch on the wall. They were going to pay attention, see who was coming, make sure that they were watching out to see if the enemies were coming. It says they set that watch day and night because of them. And, but oh, look what happens next. 
Now it's not just opposition from outside, not just the enemy's going to attack, but they've had so much going on. I mean, these people are working as hard as they can, rebuilding the walls. Imagine lifting those stones and, and troweling in that mortar and putting it together and back and forth. And at the same time, they've got to eat and they've got to take care of themselves. And now they have enemies coming to attack. And verse 10, what does Judah say? Well, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. And there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. Judah looks and he comes to Nehemiah. He must have been one of his helpers. And he says, Nehemiah, we're tired. We're out of gas. Not only that, the rubbish heaps are so high, it's keeping us from building the wall. We're not able to get it done. The circumstances around us and our own physical exhaustion is keeping us from going on for the Lord. And I would tell you, when you follow God, when you walk in obedience to Him, there will be opposition that comes from outside. But there's a reality too. We are human beings and we get tired. And we feel weak and we look at the circumstances around us and we say, I just don't know if I can keep going on. You know, here I don't see people that have just lost their faith. These are not people that at this point are, they're not angry at God. I mean, they're setting a watch, they're going to prayer, they're doing all these things, but they're just tired. I want to encourage you this morning. When you get tired, that's normal. You will get tired in the work of the Lord. It just, when you work hard, you get tired. But sometimes you feel like, I'm tired, but there's so much work to do. What can I do about it? I can't do both. And if I keep going at this pace, I'm going to fail completely. I'm worn out. Boy, it's just piling on now. Verse 11 and our adversary said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among the Jews which dwelt by them came. He said, We're going to come in among you. It'll be a surprise. You won't even know when we're there. Now we see some people getting very concerned because look at the next little section. It says, They said unto us, the Jews which dwelt by them came. They said unto us, verse 12, From all places whence shall you return unto us, they shall be upon you. He said it ten times. So picture what's happening here. I had to read this several times. Think about this. Okay. So they're rebuilding the walls. Remember some of the Jews, they had houses built either on the wall or right next to the wall. So they hear those enemies out there. They're making plans. They're making threats. We're going to come in. It's going to be a surprise attack. And they come to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, they're coming to attack. What are we going to do? And then they come again. Nehemiah, they're coming to attack us. What are we going to do? And, and then the Jews come again. Nehemiah, they're coming in. What are we going to do? They do this ten times. These people are concerned by this point, aren't they? As they should have been. They're going to come upon us. They go and come to him over and over and over and over again. Now think about Nehemiah. He's the leader of this group. He's come from Persia. King Artaxerxes sent him. He's leading the people. We're doing the work of God. 
God's provided. Look how God has strengthened us. God has done all this for us. And now the people come to Nehemiah. The threats keep coming. Nehemiah, they're coming in to attack us. Nehemiah, what are we going to do? Judah, Nehemiah, we're tired. Nehemiah, the work is too hard. If you and I are Nehemiah, you would probably do say, you know what? Let's sneak out by night and let's go back to Persia. I have a job waiting for me back there. That'd be a lot easier. I mean, that, that's probably the natural response. I mean, I'm trying the best I can, but God, I, I've done what I can. I tried, but we're tired, we're failing. The people are losing their morale. We're just not going to be able to continue on. But Nehemiah said, Therefore, said I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Nehemiah often did work with the family together. We saw that in chapter 3, fathers and their daughters working together. I think it's very interesting that when it comes down to protecting their house, protecting their homeland, so to speak, protecting their city, he organizes them back up into families and says, all right, your family, you go protect this area. Your family, go protect that way. I see here there's some emotional encouragement that they're getting because they're working together as a family. I see he's, he's organizing the people in the best way possible because who do you care about more than anybody in the, in the world often? Your family. You're going to protect your family members. You're going to work together. There's strength and there's encouragement when they come together. Nehemiah, he gets the people together to do this work. But that's not all. Verse 14, I looked and rose up, said to the nobles, to the rulers, to the rest of the people, be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord. I love that. Have you forgotten God? Have you forgotten what God did in your life to save you from your sin? Have you forgotten what kind of person you would be without Christ? Have you forgotten how God has already provided so that we could build the walls up to this point? Remember the Lord. That's such a helpful thing when we face that opposition, that accusation, now the physical threats. Nehemiah did what he had to do. The people are tired. Remember the Lord. I love the story of Elijah in the Bible. In fact, we named one of our sons after him. But you know the story of Elijah if you don't. There's a time in Elijah's life as this prophet of God that he stands up on the top of a mountain and prays and God sends down fire from heaven. I mean, imagine that kind of relationship with God to pray and have God send out fire. Then he prays to God and God sends rain after he had prayed to God that it wouldn't rain. And so it's been over two years, what, two and a half years or more that it has not rained, three and a half years, I think. It's not rained for a long time. Elijah prays and God sends the rain. What a victory. But what happens next? Jezebel, the queen, the wicked queen, she says, I'm going to make you, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to make you like one of those 
prophets and priests of Baal that were put to death. So what does Elijah do? Well, he doesn't say, Hear, O Lord, for we are despised. He doesn't say, Remember the Lord. He doesn't say, Our God, the God of heaven, He will give us the power, me the power to stand against this threat. No. Elijah runs out and hides in a cave. And he cries out to God, God, why you have me do this? I'm the last one. Everybody else is... Nobody cares about serving God like I do. I'm the last one. Here now, I'm, she's chasing me. She's going to kill me. And God comes to him and he speaks to him in a still, small voice. When Elijah remembered the Lord, finally, God encouraged him. And he now had the strength, physically and spiritually, to go on and do what God wanted him to do. And this is what's going on here with Nehemiah and the children of Israel. The enemies are closing in. The enemies have increased. The problems are getting bigger and harder all the time. Remember the Lord. But he speaks briefly about this Lord, our Heavenly Father. Remember the Lord which is great and terrible. Our God is great. Our God has all power. And he says, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. I love verse 15. And it came to pass. When our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone unto his own work. God just won another victory for them. He turned the counsel, the plans, in other words, of the enemies. He turned it around and He confused it. He made it not work anymore because they had heard what was going on and they reported and Nehemiah put a plan together and he prayed to God and they, what are we going to do? Everything they've tried doesn't work. Accusation, you can't do this. We can in the power of God. They go to the work. Your work is terrible. It would fall down if a fox crawled up on it. We serve a great God. We're going to keep staying faithful to Him. God can encourage us. All right, we're going to get all of our friends together. We're going to attack you. We're going to come in and surprise you. You won't even know when we're coming. They're tired now. They've been building a wall. They're weak. They're not ready. We're going to come in. The Lord confuses their plan. Makes it impossible for them to continue on. Then they, he says, And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears, shields, and the bows, and the habergens, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which builded on the wall, and they that bear burdens, those that laded, every one with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. He that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles, the rulers, the rest of the people, The work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one far from another. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort thither unto us. Our God shall fight for us. 
So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rise of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, Let every one of it with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be a guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I nor my brethren nor my servants nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every one put them off for washing. The enemy increased. The people were tired. The work was hard. The people said, we can't do this ten times. What are we going to do? They're coming to attack us. The people are afraid. The enemies made more threats. But what did they do? They prayed. They set a watch and they protected themselves. Nehemiah reminded them of God's character. We see in verse 13 that God is great and powerful. He said, remember the Lord. Verse 15, God brought their counsel to nothing. He confused the enemy. And in verse 20, Nehemiah said, God will fight for us. I have a few thoughts. Kind of sum all this up here at the end this morning. Because I don't know every struggle that every person in this room is going through, but I know enough of them to know there are a lot of struggles there's a lot of difficulty. There's a lot of hard things. And you might be here this morning with some big giant problem, or you may be here with just a bunch of little ones, but either way, you've got struggles. It might be in the form of false accusations that you and your own doubt are making against yourself, your own weakness of your own flesh, or somebody from outside is looking at you and accusing you falsely and saying things that are untrue about you or trying to get you to believe something that's untrue about what God has called you to do. You might be here this morning and somebody's ridiculing what you're trying to do to do right in the first place. And why are you spending time doing that? Why are you doing that? It's not going to be any good. You might even be in a place where there are actual physical threats against you. How do we continue on? Four quick things and we're done. I want you to know the struggle is real. Opposition is real. Don't be surprised when there's opposition, when you're trying to follow the work of the Lord. That shouldn't be a reason to discourage you. It's a hard thing, I understand. But it should be a reason to encourage you that you're where you should be. I said to somebody this week as we were talking about some of the struggle they're going through, I said, you know, if you weren't facing any opposition in doing this, I would wonder if you were actually doing what you should be doing. Because when you're following after God, you can expect the devil to bring his attacks. The struggle is real. Not everyone is going to be as excited about doing right or you doing right as you are. Number two, the struggle is hard. It's hard, tiring work at times to do right and to follow God's plan. I know not every day do you feel like you're in the best love with your wife that you've ever been. Not every day are you just able to patiently lead and guide and direct your children to do what they should do. Not every day do you feel like, I, I have plenty of money, I'll just pay all the bills, it's no problem at all. In fact, I've got plenty left over. That's not every day. Not every day do you feel like 
you just ready to hop out of bed and take on the world. No, you probably wake up some mornings like I do and say, I'd like to just roll back over and wait till tomorrow. Maybe that'll be better than today. <laughs> some of you are ready to skip Monday already, I know. That's how it goes, doesn't it? I want you to know it is hard and it is real. Sometimes I think we can fall into the trap of going, what's wrong with me? Why is my life so hard? Everything I do is bad, turns out bad, or everything seems to be hard, and there's opposition everywhere I look. Welcome to the club. This called life, right? And when you're serving life, following after God, you are in direct opposition to the evil that is in this world and to the prince of the power of this air. And even to your own flesh, the Bible says, that lusts against itself. So, man, that's challenging. It is. But while the struggle is real and the struggle is hard, aren't you glad we're not ready to just be done right there? Let me give you the last two. God's grace is sufficient. God can and will give you strength as you spend time in prayer with Him as you remind yourself of the truth of who He is from His Word. My grace is sufficient for thee. Paul said, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. He says, For when I am weak, then He is strong. He's acknowledging that we're weak. The struggle's real. The struggle's hard. But God's grace is sufficient. And don't forget the character of God. The final point. God is more powerful than any opposition that you or I may face. He's more powerful than the wickedness of this world. He's more powerful than the weakness of your body. He's more powerful than the people around you who would try to tear you down and get you to turn away from following after God. He's more powerful than the circumstances that you're facing. He's more powerful than the sickness that's in your body. He's more powerful than your inability to do what God wants you to do. God took the counsel of these enemies and He turned it to nothing. He turned it to naught. God is more powerful than any opposition that you or I may face. So, where do we go from here? Well, when you walk out the doors this morning, you go home, you're going to probably feel some of that opposition. You're going to have a phone call. Maybe some of you have a text waiting for you right now. You're like, oh, I don't want to even deal with this. Some of you have looked at your calendar this week and you said, I, I'd like to just skip over that. Some of you have said, you know, I know I need to be faithful to be winning souls and making disciples and study my Bible, but I just don't think I have the energy to do that this week. I'm tired. God's grace is sufficient be faithful to fulfill the calling that God has placed on your life. 
we often look at the things around us and you say, I know that's what I should be doing, but I can't. I got this or I got that or I got the other thing. When this works out, then I'll serve God. When this changes, then I'll give like God wants me to give. When I learn this, then I'll go tell somebody about you. We have all those reasons, but, 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 but. We need to realize and rest in God's all-sufficient grace and His strength and redeploy out to the work that God has for us to do, to stay faithful and obedient to His Word. Remember the Lord. Father, I thank You for this day. Thank You so much for Your Word. Lord, help us to respond to the truth. Lord, somebody here today that's struggling with something, you know what it is. Pray that you'd encourage them. That they'd be reminded, not that maybe they're going to go out and build walls like Nehemiah, but they can be faithful to serve you in spite of great opposition from within, from without. If they'll be faithful, trusting you, asking you for strength, Stay humble, knowing that you can provide what they need to faithfully follow you. We love you. Help us now as the piano's playing and as we have a time to respond, that we would respond as you direct us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, I invite you to stand with me, please. If not, you're free to stay right in your seat and pray there, whatever. But if you'd like to come forward, I'd be happy to pray with you here. Whatever God's leading to you to do, take some time to respond to Him this morning. Respond in faith. Respond in obedience. Be obedient to Him.